All right, if uh, you want to make me feel more comfortable, you can stand. No. <laughs> Somehow I don't think you guys want to make me feel more comfortable. <laughs> so, no, I appreciate uh, John and Colleen. It's uh, difficult to step out of the normal and do some things that stretch us just a little bit. And so I really appreciate it. That sports saying, next man up. You know, and so I'm so thankful that God's given us a great number of folks who step up and who are willing and certainly uh, who God uses to be a blessing to us. And so thank you guys for the music this morning. How amazing and how wonderful it is to sing our praises to the Lord. So thank you guys so, so very much. Some beautiful decorations. You guys like those? All right. There they are. And we thank those who did that and appreciate that so very much. And uh, another gift that God has given to our church family as well. I want to invite you this morning to turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 7. We're marching with Israel through the book of Joshua and seeing the victory that Israel is experiencing, right? Isn't it great? I mean, these first uh, six chapters have been just amazing, victory after victory, crossing the uh, Jordan River in flood stages. What a miracle that God did coming up to Jericho and seeing those mighty fortified walls of Jericho to see them fall at the feet of Israel and then to be, be able to go in and just um, overtake the city and uh, defeat the city. But chapter 7 is a little bit of a turn in the account of Israel conquering the promised land. You see, just when we think we have things under control, they have a tendency to slip away, don't they? Have you noticed that? I mean, just the time we think we're on top of whatever we think we're on top of, Whatever that is kind of throws us a little bit. And, and if we go back and we look at it and we examine what's going on, we can find some solutions. Well, for Israel, chapter 7 is about facing defeat. Uh, they had experienced the battle of Jericho and they had uh, experienced that victory from God. And now they go up against a small village, uh, kind of north uh, of where they were in Jericho, uh, northwest, and uh, they send up a partial force that should have been more than sufficient. Uh, and all of a sudden, they experience their first defeat in the promised land. Why did that happen? You know, I think as we examine chapter 7, we can see uh, some of those things about defeat that we really need to be aware of ourselves. You know, this is a defeat for Israel, but you and I also have our times of defeat. Defeat isn't final for the believer. All right. It may be a setback, uh, it may be for a time, it may be difficult, but it's never final for the believer. We're victors. The Bible says that in Christ Jesus we're more than conquerors. We're going to come through this thing, but we need to learn from those times when we suffer that defeat. Uh, and so with that said, I want you to follow along with me if you would in Joshua chapter 7. Now, let's read together, and we're just going to read <laughs> just this morning 21 verses of Joshua chapter 7. I hate to do that to you each morning, but it's necessary for the content that we look at. Uh, and so, listen. It's amazing to hear uh, what God says and what He's revealed in His Word. But listen to uh, Joshua chapter 7. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. Let me stop here just for a minute. You remember back in chapter 6? God gave them some specific instruction. He said, as you go in and as you take Jericho, that all the gold, silver, 
and some of the vessels are going to go into the treasury of the Lord. Everything else has to be destroyed. Everything else has to be destroyed. Uh, don't bring anything out. Don't take anything for yourself. Don't do anything. Uh, it it's, has to be destroyed. And so that was God's instruction in chapter, uh, chapter 6. And so in chapter 7 we find out, uh-oh, something happened that wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, maybe you know what I'm talking about or you can identify with uh, this. But it says again, chapter 7, verse 1, But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, and the son of Zabdi, and the son of Zerah, uh, of the tribe of Judah took the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. And now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethhaven, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up. But let about two or three thousand men go up and attack. A, uh, do not uh, uh, attack. A, do not worry. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of A are few. And so about three thousand men went up there from the people, uh, but they fled before the men of A. And the men of A struck down about thirty-six men. And they chased them from before the gates as far as Shebron. And they struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. And then Joshua tore his clothes and fell down on the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord. Until evening, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God. You have brought this people over the Jordan at at all. Or why have you brought this people over Jordan at all? To deliver us into the hands of the Amorites and to destroy us. Oh, that we had been content and dwelled on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? And the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it. And surround us and cut us off by name, uh, (coughs) uh, cut off our names from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? And the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why do you lie thus on on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also trespassed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived and they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies but turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed things among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because, because thus says the Lord of God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in your midst. O Israel, you, have, you cannot stand before your enemies unless, until you take away the accursed thing from among you. And in the morning, therefore, shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe 
which the Lord takes shall come according to families, and the families uh, which the Lord takes shall come by households, and the households which the Lord takes shall come man by man. That it uh, shall be that we, that he who is taken uh, with the accursed things shall be burned with fire, and he and all he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. And so Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by tribe, and the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the clan of Judah, and he took the family uh, of Zarites, Zarhites, and brought the family of the Zarhites, and by man, and uh, Zabdi was taken. And then the house, and he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, and the son of Zabdi, the son of uh, Zerah, the tribe of Judah, was taken. And now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession to him, and tell me now what you've done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I've sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I've done. And when I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them, and there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. Bow with me, if you would, and let's pray this morning. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for our instruction, for the truth that, Father, we can understand and receive and apply to our lives. Lord, help our hearts this morning to be a fertile ground where you can sow these truths into our hearts. Lord, I pray this morning that you be glorified and that, Father, uh, you would speak mildly to our church, to each of us as individuals. And, Lord, I thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what a story, isn't it? You know, as we read this account about uh, Joshua and about uh, uh, the Israelites and their defeat, it uh, kind of uh, brings some truths home to us, doesn't it? Uh, I hope it does, because facing defeat is not always an easy thing. Uh, maybe you've had to do that sometimes in your past, uh, and it's a hard thing to face, or struggles or setbacks that you've had in your own life. And sometimes those are hard things to look at, uh, but yet they're necessary if we want a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, about this facing defeat, uh, if you look with me, there's things that contribute to defeat. Uh, you, you'll see some of those in this passage of Scripture in these first three verses. And we have to be aware of these things. You know, we, we, uh, we want to kind of separate ourselves from uh, the very things that bring us down, right? I mean, be kind of foolish of us, wouldn't it, to embrace or cozy up to those things that are tearing us down or that are drawing us away from the Lord. And so there's some things that are kind of common or synonymous with, with uh, things that, of defeat. And let me share some of those things with you first of all. First of all, if you look with me, uh, self-reliance contributes to defeat. In other words, when we depend on ourselves rather than God. Uh, when we begin to trust in, in us and us becomes uh, the main thing, then 
all of a sudden now we're facing uh, a factor of defeat. Have to be careful about that. One of those things about self-reliance that's characteristic, especially in this story, is that we're guilty of self-reliance when we're ignoring God's commands. When we're ignoring His commands. In other words, uh, instead of following God and His instruction, His commands, what do we do? We choose to follow our own understanding. Uh, And we always get in trouble when we do that. Uh, We always wind up defeated when we do that, ignoring God's command. God had put a band on the spoils from Jericho. He had told the Israelites very plainly, you know, this and this and this is for uh, the, the Lord's treasury, but do not take anything else. Everything else is to be destroyed. And so that was emphasized by Joshua as he received that from the Lord. Everything else had to be destroyed. Now listen, Achan's sin affected the entire nation. But listen, if you look at verse uh, 1, it says, But the children of Israel committed a transgression also. Uh, Not only Achan, of course, Achan's transgression was obvious that he took some of the accursed things, stealed away with them, planted them under his tent, buried them in the ground. Uh, And he did that, but Israel was also guilty Uh, And and God gives some information about that as far as his covenant. Now, listen, when God gave Israel the the command or uh, he gave them permission or he gave them the blessing to go into the promised land, they were to do it together. Together. If you notice that some of the tribes, even though they were going to live on the other side of the Jordan River, they were going to live on the east side of the Jordan River. That, that Joshua, under God's command, told those tribes, Dan and, and some other tribes, that you still have to send your people in to help the rest of the nation take the promised land. Now, when they came up to this small village, hey, Joshua said, send out some scouts. Let's check it out. And they brought back another report. Sometimes we get in trouble with our reporting back to God, don't we? We saw that 40 years ago in the nation of Israel when 10 spies brought back a bad report and when Joshua and Caleb brought back that good report. Uh, And so here's these guys, they're coming back and they say, oh, this is such a small village. Don't trouble the whole nation to go up. Just send two or 3,000 people or men and we'll go up and we'll be able to take the nation. Listen, that was a violation of what God had commanded Israel to do. And, And so until that... Uh, uh, they, uh, they, they were out of his will, and God wasn't going to bless a nation uh, with a victory. Uh, Achan's sin certainly was a part of it, but Israel's sin was as well. And when we ignore God's commandments, he responds to that. <laughs> Our father is responsive to his children's disobedience. Now, you know, a lot of times, don't we sometimes come into this thing when, when, when we, we don't, always obey God's commandments thinking, well, maybe I can get away with it. <laughs> you don't think Achan didn't think he could get away with it? I mean, he did, did his best job to cover it up. He, he got all that loot back to his tent without anybody noticing. He, 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 he got a hole dug in his tent and covered it up. Whether his family knew or not, I don't know, but if they did, he did a good job of Coaching them to be quiet. 
but ultimately it didn't matter, did it? Because the, really the only one who does matter knew. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 reminds us of this very thing. It says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open before his eye, the eyes of him of whom we must give an account. God knows. I mean, he just knows. No matter how stealthy we are, no matter how hidden we are, no matter uh, wh- how, how deep we bury something, God knows. God knows and he, he deals with those things in our life. God knows how to bring those up before us. And so we have to be careful because ignoring his commandments is, a, is an act of self-reliance. Another part of that also is that when we are self-reliant, not only we're ignoring His commands, but we're acting independent from God. In, in other words, we know what God's thing is, what He's saying, but we choose something different. You see, up until now, if you look at verse 2, remember up until now it was always the Lord spoke to Joshua, or the Lord said to Joshua, right? And then when the Lord said, spoke to Joshua, then he responded and did what God told him to do. But if you look at verse 2, he says, Now Joshua sent men from Jericho. It's not God told Joshua to send men from Jericho, or God said to Joshua, send men from Jericho, But it was Joshua acting on his own, independent from God. Let me tell you, it's a dangerous thing. Until now, it was always about God. You see, when we have no word from God, or we seek no word from God, or we don't care whether or not we hear from God, then there's no real, and there's no real desperation for you and I to hear from God then probably what we're really wanting to do is act on our own. To act independent from God. Now, you see here again, there goes that, that, uh, that failure for us to rely on God. Self-reliance is a contributor to defeat. Let me give you another one also. Not only self-reliance. If you look a little bit further uh, in, in chapter 3, or excuse me, verse 3, self-confidence contributes to defeat. S- self-confidence. <laughs> he says in verse 3, Do not let all the people go up, but let two or 3,000 men go up and attack A. Do not weary all the people, for the people of A are few. So you, you know what they were saying? <laughs> they were really saying, Lord, I, I've got this. You know, I, I can handle this. It's a small village. We don't need very many. Two or three thousand ought to be enough. And so uh, we'll, we'll just handle this. How often have you made choices and decisions in your life where you felt like that, hey, I really can take care of this myself? Or maybe you didn't do it consciously. You didn't say, well, I don't need God. I'll do this myself. But maybe... Just by nature, you chose not to invite God in to the discussion or not into the opportunity, and you, you just responded on your own. You, you thought that you could handle the situation. 
it doesn't matter how large it is or how small it is, is that for a believer to leave God on the outside is sin. For, for you and I to act independent from Him is disobedience to God. Jesus said, for without me you can do nothing. Nothing. And so that self-reliance every time gets us in trouble, but self-confidence does too. Is that, God, I'm, I'm able. I'll, I'll take care of it. Uh, I'll, I'll make those decisions. Uh, I'll follow up on that. I'll do that. You see, sometimes the church goes through its motions as a church. And it looks like that we're following God in the kinds of things that we do. But if we don't seek God for His leadership, if we don't seek Him for His power and Him giving life to the ministry of our church, then everything that we do is futile. Everything that we do has no power. You see, Paul warned about the church of the future, that it denies the power of God. And in denying the power of God, it's only a form of the church and not the real church. And so there's this danger of not just us as individuals, but us as a church being confident enough in our programs or in our people or in our plan or whatever it is to accomplish God's work without Him. And we'll be defeated every time. Self-reliance, self-confidence are enemies of success in the kingdom of God. Now, let me give you a third one, right? Because there's always three, right? <laughs> give you a third one. And that's self-centeredness. Let me say that again, self-centeredness. You guys know what that is. That's when we make everything about us. It's when we're the center of everything. Go back to verse 1 again. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. What's the Bible telling us is that... that that they made it about themselves. This defeat was about what they could get out of it. Um, and there's a danger for that as well for you and I. You see, it's easy to be self-centered even in the times when God's greatly moving. The greatest victory that Israel had in all of its history and God's power was on full display... At the, at the defeat of Jericho, and all Achan could think about was something for himself. I mean, you know, isn't it amazing how that God can be moving in his might and in his power? And sometimes the first thought we have, what's in it for me? Or how can I get something out of that? And so it was about self-centeredness. You know, in the New Testament, there's another account similar to this one in a sense. And it was in Acts chapter 5. And it's about a couple who, who brought a gift to uh, the church. And others had been bringing, they'd been selling land, bringing the money, giving it to the disciples so the church could be fed and taken care of. And so this couple comes along, Ananias and Sapphira. 
And they come along and they think, well, we've got a piece of land. All these guys are, are, are donating that. Here's what we need to do. Uh, let's sell our piece of land and we'll take the proceeds. Well, wait a minute. Why do we have to give all of it? Why don't we keep back a part of it and just take a part of it and we'll tell them we gave, them all, gave all of it? The Bible says they lied to the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, first Ananias came in, and, and he told his story, and, and he was immediately killed. Not by the disciples, by the Lord. And as he was being carried out of the room, his wife comes in, Sapphira, and she told the same story, and the same, same thing happened to her. Uh, you see, they were, they were in it for themselves. What can I get out of it? What can I benefit from? Yet we live in an age and in a generation. And, and when a big part of what, how we choose where we go to church is what can we get out of it. Now, there's nothing wrong when we come to church needing to be ministered to. Ne- needing to be encouraged, needed to be lifted up. Needing to be blessed. All those things are seeking God for His blessings. Nothing wrong with that. But it can't always be, what can I get out of it? But really it ought to be, what can I put into it? What can I put into the kingdom of God when I serve in my church? What can I invest from my life into His kingdom through the life of the church? And so we have to be careful because self-centeredness Again, always leads to defeat. So, so there's things that contribute to defeat, right? We need to be aware of those. That, that um, uh, self-reliant, self-confident, self-centeredness are all, are all things that will bring us down uh, in, the, in the kingdom of God. Now, let's move on just a little bit also. Uh, let me talk to you a little bit about things that confirm defeat. In other words, the, the things that, that contribute to it, but, but how do we know that we're there, right? How do we know that we've arrived at defeat? Um, let me give you some things about that. You probably say, I already know that, Brother Mike. Listen, uh, let me give you, I want to give you four stages, and I've been through them all. <laughs> so I know. <laughs> four things. But first of all, if you look at verses 4 through 5, there's a sense of disaster when we're defeated. In other words, everything seems to be going wrong. Have you ever felt that way? That, that <laughs> hey, it's just nothing's going right. Nothing's feeling good. Nothing's working for me. And, and, and in verse 4 through 5, listen to what it says. It says, so about 3,000 men went up and the people uh, from the people, uh, but they fled before the men of, of A. And the men of A struck down about 36 men for they chased them from before the gate of Shebarim and struck them down on the, de- on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. In other words, this thing's a disaster, right? I, I mean, listen, when, 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 we, when we fall... In defeat, it seems disastrous. Now, look, I want you to know that, that I told you to begin with, 
Defeat isn't final. It's a learning thing, a learning process. But it seems disastrous. What else can go wrong? This small village of men defeated the army of Israel. Every time, without exception, God is excluded, it equals defeat. And it's disastrous. So if we go back and find ourselves in these disastrous times, and we begin to trace back, how in the world did I get here? Uh, as we begin to trace our, our steps back, we're going to find out that somewhere, somewhere our focus on God left, our intimacy with God left, our conversation with God left, our joy in the Lord left, and all of a sudden things got disastrous in our life. I can't tell you how many people over the years, <clears throat> me being one of them, <coughs> that uh, uh, fell into disastrous things, and I wondered often, Lord, how can it, can it get any worse? Well, let me tell you, it probably can. Uh, but it's disastrous. Uh, another thing is, not, not only that, a sense of disaster, but a feeling of discouragement. A feeling of discouragement <clears throat> certainly hit the nation of Israel. You look at verse 6, uh, <coughs> it says, Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth, on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. They were mourning. I mean, look, this is an act of mourning. It's, it's like someone had died. Uh, and, and to Joshua, he was probably thinking, Israel has died. Because everyone around us is going to see how weak we are that we're defeated by such a small village and a small number of people and how we ran and how we fled. And they're going to hear about that and they're going to descend on us and we're done for. Done for. Have you ever felt like that? I feel like I'm done for. I'm so discouraged. I'm so down. Things seem to be so disastrous. And what did they do? <laughs> you know, guess what? They begin to question God's leadership and blame God. How about that? That I'm here because of you, Lord. Not, not, not anything I've done, right? But what you've done. Verse 7, listen. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? Why did you even bring us here, Lord, for, for this kind of defeat? To deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? God, have you brought us over here to die? Sounds real familiar, doesn't it? Have you brought us here to die? He goes on, Oh, that we had been content and dwelt in, on the other side of the Jordan. If we would have just stayed in the wilderness, if we would, would have just stayed in the lack and the need and out of the promise of God, we wouldn't be where we are. They were discouraged. But listen, God always has hope. God always brings us through our discouragement if we'll follow Him. And so there's that discouragement. If you look at verses 8 and 9, <coughs> Uh, another thing that happens is we begin to doubt. Right? You, you know, it really can't. Can things get better? Can we get out of this mess? Will there ever be any more victories for us, Lord? Uh, is there really any hope for us? Verse eight says this. It says, "Oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its its back before its enemies?" You know what? 
What's there to say? Isn't that the end of the story? Isn't that it? And then for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut us off our name from the earth. Hmm. They'll cut us off. You know, they, they, were, they were doubting. Uh, they, they had saw and witnessed and experienced uh, one, of the, one of the greatest miracles recorded in the Bible. As a matter of fact, some of them had lived that sustaining experience in the wilderness. And yet they still doubted what God was able to do. And so sometimes that, that defeat, we, we can recognize it because we begin to doubt God. We doubt our salvation. We doubt whether God loves us. We, we, we doubt whether following Him is worth it. We doubt whether... You know, the, the persecution is worth the reward. We doubt, doubt, and we begin to doubt. And, and so maybe if, if, you know, we have that experience, it really just tells us that we're kind of at a place of defeat that we need to get out of. And that sense of doubt. And then, and then the fourth thing is a feeling of disgrace. Disgrace. Uh, Joshua says to, him, to God at the end of verse 9, he says, Then what will you do for your great name? In other words, if we're gone, we've shamed you, we've blown it, we've messed up, now what are you going to do to exalt your name? Well, God's answer was, Well, I'm going to take you, and, and as weak and as frail and as disobedient as you are, I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to restore you, and I'm going to, I'm going to lift up my name through you. Listen, God does that through our life. Over and over we fail Him. We mess up. We blow it. But yet there is God. How will you, how will you, or what will you do for your great name? You see, I I really believe the testimony of that is grace. (laughs) God shows His people grace and lifts us up out of the defeat. And sets us on a path of victory and shows how great his name is. And so in all these things, there's, there's that sense of shame sometimes. So there's things that confirm defeat. But let me really get to the important thing. Because I want to share some things about things that conquer defeat. <laughs> things that bring us out of where we are and out of our struggle and real quickly. Uh, if you look at verses 10 through 12, uh, there's the understanding of conviction. Uh, God told Israel, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring all tribes together. I'm going to pick one of those tribes that, this, that I've got this problem with. And then I'm going to bring each, uh, each clan from that tribe and each family from that tribe and each man. And each man is going to man up. <laughs> and they're going to come before me. And he did that. And he pointed out Judah. And, and out of that tribe, he brought forth Achan's family, his clan, his family, and himself. And, and so God was, was placing them under conviction. He says, so the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Get up uh, in verse 10. That's an admonition then to get up. I'm not done with you, and I'm not done with Israel. That's what God was saying to Joshua. You're not finished. You're not done. Uh, I, I'm going to do something new and different with you. And then he goes on and he talks about Israel as sin. He uses four things. They've sinned, transgressed, stolen, and deceived. 
Uh, you know, no matter how you look at it, they sinned against God. And God named that. And, and God made them aware of it and made the nation aware of it. Isn't that, that's conviction, isn't it? Isn't that the work of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit begins to convict us about our sin? Why? Because God wants to deal with that sin. Now, he moves on from conviction to consecration. He says in verse 13, he says, Now get up, and he says, Sanctify yourselves. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst. Listen, when God says, Get the people, sanctify yourselves, get ready for a meeting with me, uh, he's, he's talking about something serious. He says, Get up, sanctify the people. In other words, God was saying, Get up and get cleaned up. Get up and get cleaned up. Get up and, and, and we're going to go down this path of getting your hearts right with me. And so that's what, what he does. And so there's that consecration. It's repentance. It's to turn from our sin and, and, and as God begins to deal with us and our sin and rebellion against him. First uh, John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so there's consecration. There's compliance. He, he, he brought them before him and he says, listen, he says, each one, uh, Joshua asked them, he says, you know, uh, confess up, confess up, came to Achan, uh, and, and, and uh, he, um, he asked Achan uh, about that. And so what did Achan do? He confessed. He confessed. That's the fourth thing, confession. Uh, verse 20, uh, listen to what um, Joshua says to him in verse 20. He says, and Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I've done. When I saw the, uh, among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian robe, two, 200 shekels of silver and weights of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. You see, he confessed. You see, the word confession means to agree with God. It's after the conviction. It's, it's, it's the process of God convicting us, making us aware of our sin. Do we get to the point where we agree with God about that sin? It's for the believer that anything in our life that's opposing God or offensive to God or a sin against Him, it's when we see that as God shows us that through His Spirit and through His Word, and all of a sudden we turn and we just say, God, you're right. I, I, I shouldn't hold bitterness in my heart. That's not what a child of God ought to do. Lord, you're right. I, I shouldn't think those thoughts. Lord, you're right. I, I shouldn't stray in that way. Lord, you're right. That's confession. That's turning to, to be in fellowship with God. It's turning away from sin and turning to God. And that's what Israel needed to do. As they would, God would bring them out of their defeat. Uh, you know, uh, how often do we need that kind of experience with God? Where the Spirit of God deals with us as individuals or as a church or as a nation. And we accept His truth. And we repent and turn from our sin. And we come into agreement with God our Father. That's when we come out of defeat. You see, God told Israel, you can't win like this. You, you can't stand against your enemies like this. But something has to change.
Bow with me if you would this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so grateful and thankful today for your amazing grace and love that in our failure that you would reach down and pull us out of defeat and stand us in a path of victory. Father, facing that defeat often is so difficult, so hard. But if we... If we're not willing, if we're not ready to face that, now, Lord, that we will continue to live in defeat. That we'll continue uh, to be taken in and taken over by our enemy. So, Lord, help us to have the courage to, to open our a mind in our hearts to your truth, to the Holy Spirit, who is the only one who can bring that conviction that we often need in our own life to put us in a place of victory. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, take these principles, truths, and understandings. Father, uh, press them into our hearts deeply in Jesus' name. Amen. Invite you this morning.